herself in uh, Luke, uh, I mean Luke, I'm sorry, in Acts chapter 1 this morning. Acts chapter 1 this morning. And uh, the Lord is just doing a great thing. Let's just give the Lord a hand today for showing up in church. Chris was up here talking and uh, changed that song. And, and uh, during the service, before he come up, uh, uh, while uh, Miss Dina was talking, I had wrote on the front of my uh, notes, he changes things. He changes things. So it's just amazing to see the confirmation in the Lord uh, and how he does that. So we'll find ourselves in Acts chapter 1 uh, this morning as we go to the Lord. Lord, thank you so much for changing things in our, in our life, Lord. We thank you so much uh, that you never intend for us to stay the same, but you always bring us up higher. You always bring us into more. You always bring us into blessing upon blessing. You always bring us from glory to glory, from faith to faith, from mighty to majesty. Lord, you bring these things to pass pass in our life. If we're going through some things, Lord, it's not because you've forsaken us. It's because you haven't delivered us yet. But you're on the way, Lord, and our faith is in you. And then, Lord, if we're going through some struggles in this life, we know that we can carry your, your yoke, that you will come in alongside of us and help us carry the burdens of life. Uh, but we don't have to go through these things uh, because, Lord, we know that you've made a way of escape, Lord. Illuminate the exit for us, Lord. Show us the exit sign. Lord, show us the detour that gets us off the, the so familiar trodden path that we go down day to day thinking that we have to struggle uh, through this life because we want to uh, enjoy the fellowship of your suffering and we don't want to enjoy uh, the fellowship of your resurrection and the risen Savior, Lord. I don't mind suffering for Christ as long as I can feel the power of His resurrection. And Lord, we want to live in that power today, Lord. We want you to change some things in our lives today, Lord, that we are not beaten down, crushed down, that we may be, but we are not broken and we are not submerged, but we are victorious. Filled, poured over, our cup runneth over. Mercy and grace, follow us. Uh, mercy and peace, follow us. Mercy and comfort, follow us. All the days of our life. It says that the apostles walked, they did the work of the ministry, and the signs and wonders followed them, Lord. I pray that we follow you, and behind us follow signs and wonders that would turn people's life to you, not to us, to you. Who is this God you serve? Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. And we honor you today. So Holy Spirit, speak. We honor you, Holy Spirit, for without you, we can't do these things. We can't have these things. We are nothing. We are nothing without the power of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here today. And fill us, and fill us, empower us, equip us, and lead us in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. And all the church said, Amen. 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 Looking at the final week of Jesus, we're going to look at the Holy Spirit today. Uh, and, and, and we see this thing starting to come full circle uh, from the Passion where a New Testament is revealed uh, and the Old Testament is being put aside and there's a New Testament, there's a new table, there's a new body, there's a new blood. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. There's a new Passover being instituted here. And he says, when you enjoy of this Passover, partake of this, do this to remember me. And then remember we go to the garden and it's full of questions. Full of questions. No answers. Uh, or, or, or many voices, many voices 
but only people can go so far and there comes a time in your life when you've got to go into the garden alone and pray and where you and God's got to battle this thing out. What do I want to do and what He wants me to do? What I need to do and what He needs me to do? What I know to do and what He says to do? And these things contradict each other until you say, Nevertheless, Lord, not my will, but Thy will be done. And He humbles Himself under the mighty hand of God just like we have to. He's not doing all things for us. He's given us an example in these ways that you can follow. And so we come into this garden and it's full of questions, but we find, and it's full of anguish, but we can find the answers there. We can find the answers there. And, and, and He will reveal those answers only if His will prevails over your will. If your will prevails over His will, you stay in the garden longer. You stay in the garden longer. You stay in the garden longer. And until His will prevails over your will, and you can leave the garden in your will, but you won't get to You'll find yourself there again. Full circle. You'll find yourself in that same predicament again. But He never intended on you to stay in the garden. Had He intended on you to stay in the garden, He wouldn't have got up, said, Thy will be done, not my will. Peter, get up. It's time to go. He would have stayed in the garden through the crucifixion. He would have stayed in the garden through the time of the tomb. He would have did Passover in the garden. But He never intends on us to stay in the garden. He wants to change these things in your life. If He didn't want to change the things in your life, He wouldn't have set you down and said, listen, this is the way out. Will you do it? Is there any other way? Listen, this is the way out. Will you do it? Is there any other way? Listen, this is the way you should go. Will you do it? Yes, Lord. Okay, we'll get up and go. Come, Peter, James, John, it's time to go. He never intended on us to stay in the garden. He never intended on us to battle with ourselves so we're defeated Christians. He never intended on that to happen. He intended on us to walk out the garden knowing our purpose, knowing our destiny, and fulfilling it in the power of Jesus Christ. And, and walking with boldness and courage and confidence that I know one thing in whom I've trusted will keep me against that day. As Job said, though he slay me, yet I will trust him. And it's a tough walk and it's a tough decision, but it's one that each one of us has to make. It's one that each one of us has to make because before this, this uh, just a, a night or two before this, he says, listen, the Son of Man is going to be lifted up. And don't, don't fear because unless the kernel gets lifted up and dies and falls to the ground, it can't bear fruit. It can't bear fruit. And any one of you who wants to bear fruit has to do the same thing. You've got to lose your own life and you've got to love mine. You've got to love mine. So, he's in the tomb and he's in the garden and he has no intentions on you staying there. He wouldn't have said, come. And we're going to get there. Follow me down. And so he goes to the cross. He changes things. You see what I'm saying? He changes the dilemma. Now, you might say, well, it's gotten a little worse. Well, absolutely, it got a little worse because usually the greater the pain right before the biggest victory. Usually right before you get your breakthrough, all hell breaks loose in your life because he's trying to distract you from the goal, from the mission, from the thing that he has planned for you. That way he can get you off course. Just because you made a decision with Christ doesn't mean the devil left you alone. It does not mean that the devil did not put roadblocks in your did not put deep. It don't mean that he didn't put a, a roundabout in the way and you got four choices. You got four choices, but you can see the cross. But you can see the cross. And he goes to the cross where he bled and he died, smitten, scorched. 
hands, feet, beard, all these things. But I'm going to tell you what happened. On that day, the curse, the, uh, the uncursed was made cursed and nailed to the tree so that the curse could be uncursed. So that the curse could be uncursed. And you know what happened that day? The kernel, which he was talking about wheat, so use your imagination. The kernel fell. Not the kernel, captain. The, the wheat fell that day. At the cross, that's where the kernel fell. That's where it fell. That's where it fell. But you know what? There come a place at the end of the cross too where they stuck a spear in his side and he says, before that he says, Mother, behold your son. It's time to go. It's time to go. Passover's drawing near. Get them down. we got to get out of here. Y'all go. And for three days they left. He had no intentions on them staying at the cross. He has no intentions on you staying at the cross. This is a place of execution. This is a place of the gas chamber. This is the place where things go to die and they don't come down unless you take them down. Unless you lift them back up. Unless you place them back on yourself. They stay there. They stay there. They are dead there. They are no more. And the sin was nailed to that cross never to be more carried by you. You are consumed by it and you're looking at it and praising it, but you're not to praise it. You're not to worship it. You're not to look at it. You are to carry it. You are to carry your redemption with you and not stay at Calvary's Hill. You do no good at Calvary. You are no use to anyone at Golgotha. You are not. You get up. Any man who comes after me, he takes that cross of redemption and he follows me. And everything that I was is nailed to the cross and everything that I am is I'm carrying with me from there. And we took, he took my place and I took his place. We traded places. Same way the Holy Spirit will do in just a minute. And we traded places and the kernel fell. The, 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 the grain fell. And then so he, but he had no intentions on you staying there. Had he had intentions on you staying there, he would still be there. But he came down and he went to the tomb. And we go to the tomb. And you know what? The tomb is where the wounds healed. It's where the miraculous happened. It's where the hope is restored. It's where the bandages were left on the table. But our Savior is not there anymore. It's where the napkins give hope because I can see His face in the shroud, but I don't see His body anywhere. And the tomb is empty. And why are you looking for the dead among the living amongst the dead? He is not here. He is risen. He is risen. And we have victory in the tomb, in the empty tomb. And we victory over death, hell, and the grave. And when you look in the empty tomb, you see a table, and I didn't mention this last week, but I can't help from men of my soul. This won't help me not tell you about this this week. And when you look in the empty tomb, you see the empty table with bloodstains on it and nobody there. And you can't help but wonder if and death is your enemy. He's your biggest enemy. And He has risen and defeated death, hell, and the grave. And I can't help but go back to Psalms 23 where it says, I walk in the shadow of death, but He has prepared a table in an empty tomb that says I have the victory over death, hell, and the grave, and it don't hold me. He has prepared a table in front of my enemies. Amen. He has prepared a table in front of my empty, an empty table, a blood-stained table, a picture of a mercy seat, if you will, where God has taken our shame, this table in front of my enemies. It's amazing. And we leave there knowing that because He lives, I too can live. Because He lives, I can face tomorrow. Because He lives, all hope is mine to be restored. And He never had any intentions on me staying there 
Or when Mary grabbed him around the feet, she wouldn't have said, leave. He wouldn't have said, go tell the others and Peter to meet me in Galilee, to meet me in Jerusalem, meet me in the upper room. Go tell them. Go tell them. And we finished with this last week. Do you know that the nails couldn't hold him? The tomb couldn't hold him? The only thing that could grab a hold to Jesus Christ in that state was buried. He come off the tomb. He come out of the grave. He come from death, hell, in the grave, victorious. Mary grabs a hold of him, and he can't move. He can't move. Behold the power of love from divinity to humanity. It says, I love you. I so loved you that I would give you myself. I so loved you that you could be sons and daughters of God, and I would rather hold you, hold me here, than I, before I would never just, I would never kick you off. A broken, contrite heart will I in no way, in no way cast aside, he says. And she grabs a hold of his feet and she holds him and he says, Mary, you gotta let me go. Because you gotta go get the others. You gotta go get the others. Power of the tomb, power over death, hell, and the grave. And then we come to the place where we're at in Luke chapter one, right here, for there's no place for you at the tomb either. There's no place for you to bandage your wounds, lay on your bed and make it, and curl up the stone and hide from the reality of that we live in a fallen, broken world who has their best interest at heart and hates you because you love Him. Whether they admit it or not, the driving force behind that atheist that can't stand you is because you love Him, whether He admits it or not. Whether He admits it or not. And the power, we're looking at the promise of Acts 1-9. And the promise is that I will send you another comforter. I will send you a comforter. Another comforter. That word another means one as the same as before. And comforter, that comforter uh, uh, means one who comes alongside. So one who is the same as before is about to come alongside you. The one who was the same as before is about to, I go to the Father, but I, I, this is in John, but I send you a comforter. And his name is the Holy Spirit. He shows himself up in, in Acts chapter 1. Uh, chapter 1, it begins. Uh, and in actuality, this is where the New Testament starts. Not in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The New Testament actually starts right here. The former treatise uh, have I made to you, O Theopolis. Could have been a person, means lover of God, could have been a saying. Of all Jesus began to both to do and to teach until the day in which is verse two of Acts chapter one, until the day in which he was taken up, after that he through the Holy Ghost give commandments to the apostles which he had chosen, to whom he showed himself alive after his passion. That passion is the cross. What we see is torture. What we see is uh, God awful. He saw it as passion. He we saw it as evil. He saw it as love. Uh, through his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen forty days, speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God, and being assembled together with them, commanding them that they should not depart to Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard of me. And that promise is in verse 8, But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the othermost parts of the earth. The promise of the book of Acts, the promise of the Holy Spirit that he would send a comforter, that paraclete, one who comes alongside. I'm going to talk about that in just a minute. And, uh, and another is one who is the same as before. So the promise is that one as that's the same as before is about to come alongside you. One, three, and four. I need you to wait for it. 
I need you to wait for it. So for the first time in the Passion of Christ, you're not supposed to stay in the garden. You're not supposed to stay in the uh, cross. You're not supposed to stay at the tomb. But you are supposed to go to the room. You are supposed to stay in the room. You need to wait here in Jerusalem. Go into the upper room and I will meet you there. And the Bible says for 40 days He showed Himself strong and mighty. Showed Himself with many unfallible proofs. And then for 10 days they sat in the upper room and they waited. And they waited. And why would they wait? Why would they wait? And today we look, we're going to look at that. And uh, I'll give you a kind of an example, an example of that today. You know, excuse me. Sorry. I'll give you an example of that today. Of why they had to wait. Why they had to wait. When my, uh, when my mom passed away. Uh, she had, when she's going through COPD, well, my mom does not get passed away yet. Uh, when my mom was going through COPD, and we was walking this thing out with her, praying for her day in and day out, believing the Lord for a miracle, believing the Lord that's going to change it, believing the Lord was going to restore, uh, believing the Lord was going to do all kinds of things. I bargained. We all bargained with the Lord. Uh, we had, but now me and mom had sat down and talked, and we talked about some things uh, about when something happened. We talked about that. We talked about that, and. Uh, and I know what she said. I know what Mama said. And I know what uh, she wanted. And I know what her desire was. And I know uh, how to divide everything that she had. I was a beneficiary. I knew what the portions was. I knew what the lot was. She left everything, uh, not for me, but to, for me to divvy. She left everything under my control. Uh, but when she was a baby, I didn't have access to it. When she was a baby, I didn't have access. And when she was growing up, I didn't have access to it. And when she was working at Honda, I didn't have access to these things. And when she was uh, living down at the lake, I didn't have access to these things either. I could see it. I could see what she had. I could even touch what she had. I could feel what she had. I could use some of what she had, uh, whether it be her finances or, or the land she owns or whatever she had. And I could enjoy and reap uh, some of the benefits of the things that, that she had. But in, ultimately, it was hers. Ultimately, until that day, it, it's hers. It all belongs to her. It's, it's uh, under her control, under her care, under her will. She determined and she decided who got to benefit and reap from what she had while she was alive. Ultimately, it was hers. And every now and then, she would empower power us uh, whether it be through paying a bill, uh, allowing us to use something of hers, she would empower us in that way. We could walk in some of the benefits of, uh, of her inheritance while she was alive because she allowed us to, but ultimately it would still belong to her just because she allotted us that opportunity. It all, uh, when we were done with it, it ultimately went back to her. And when she passed and we laid her down, uh, she went to be with the Lord. She went to be with the absent body is present with the Lord. And we got the proof of that through a death certificate and all these things. And, and we began the heart to handle the stuff. We began the waiting period, the, the hurting, the, the, the viewing funeral and all that. And God was moving mighty. God moved mighty in those things. He gave us the grace to sustain and the peace and comfort to do these things. And, and the family strengthened and stayed together. And we didn't fuss and it didn't tear us all to pieces uh, externally, though it was hurting inside. Uh, uh, and everything, and, and we got all that uh, done, and everything seemed to come together but the bank. The bank was the only thing that didn't seem to fall in place. Uh, I was a beneficiary. 
I had uh, I was on the accounts. Uh, she has passed away. I've got a certificate, but the certificate wouldn't do, and the beneficiary was void as well. It wouldn't do. So I had to go uh, and get a letter of testamentary from the courthouse that said I was indeed the beneficiary and I indeed had rights to her stuff and it was only valid after 60 days. Uh, so I had to go get the letter of testament and wait 60 days uh, until I could proceed with, with getting the stuff. And so here we find ourselves in verse... Uh, Five of chapter Acts chapter one. Uh, here they are, and it says John. This is Jesus talking. John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days from now. So they're in a waiting period. They're in a waiting period. And when I walked in the bank, they said, "Who are you?" I said, "I'm her son." And, and you know what? Well, they, and they said, "Well, I have a, I have her likeness. I have her image. I, I have her stuff, but I, I have her certificate." But I don't have her, I mean, I don't have her stuff. I have her certificate, but I don't have her stuff. Follow me, follow me real here. I'm her, I have her, and there's a picture of her, you can't see it. I have her likeness. I have her word. I have her, which is her Bible, I have her word. I have her heartbeat. This was on her finger. I have her heartbeat, but I don't have her stuff. I don't have her stuff. Got her word. I've got her pulse beating in me. I'm in her image and her likeness. But I don't have access to her stuff. That's John's baptism. That's John's baptism he's talking about there. So I get a new letter. So I go to I get a new letter of testament. This is how this thing how this went down. I got a new letter of testament. Many days hence, verse 5. Holy Ghost, not many days from now. So I got a new letter, a 60-day letter, and I gained access to the portion in which she left me. I gained access to the portion, and the portion is distributed among all the sons and the daughters. And that's how it went. I got a New Testament, went in 60 days later, the portion in which she provided was distributed among the sons and the daughters of, the, of that family, of that family. And there were many questions of why she's gone and what we could have done and how we could have done it better and all these things. Uh, but some questions are just not meant to answer. Some questions that we have, how could we have done it better? What could I have done? What could I have done to stop it? What could I have done to help it? Why didn't you stop it? Why didn't you help it? And, and Jesus uh, shows them uh, in 6 and 7 right there, some questions are not for you to know. I just brought this up Wednesday night. Some things you got to mind your own business, he tells them. In verse 6, he can tell us that. He, he said it was in the Word, and I looked it up. I just didn't tell me to mind my own business. But when they therefore will come together and ask him, saying, Lord, will thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? He said, that ain't for you to know the times and the season which the Father hath put in his own power. Which the Father has put in. And so we had many questions and we didn't have a lot of answers, but some questions we realize now wasn't meant to be answered and we don't ponder on those things anymore. We don't ponder on the past anymore. Some answers uh, are in the family. Uh, some answers are found in the family. Some answers were found in the prayer. And you know what? Some answers was found uh, a different way. But I know one thing, and that's why I'm going to write this down. I want to get it right. I know one thing. Her will was not for us to have that uh, her portion her will for our life was not to have her stuff that was not her will
for her life. She worked for years. How can I? Uh, she, she asked for years. How can I get them all in, secure, safe, saved, serving the Lord? I don't care if it's a Sunday school teacher, a pastor, a clerk, a, 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 a clerk, treasurer, or what a missionary, whatever it is. How can I get them? I want my family saved. And you know what? My brother's not here today, and I figured he would because here's, here's three who sit in church today. And she asked this question, how can I do it? While she was alive, and while she was alive, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. Because some things are only for the Father to know. And I believe, if you can follow me uh, to heaven, I believe that when she stood in heaven between the accuser, Jesus, and the Father, I think he answered her question. He answered her prayer there. I think he answers that prayer there because it's not for her to know here the times and the season, but it was for her to know then. Only the Father reveals these things. Only the Father reveals these things. And that's the way he does us too. And because you know what happens right here, uh, when she passed on and, and I got the New Testament, there was a new promise in place. There was a, The Old Testament where I was beneficiary was void. It had no use. It was useless. I'm not saying the Old Testament's useless. All scriptures benefit for doctrine and reproof. I'm saying they're ushered in when Christ died on the cross, a New Testament ushered in. A New Testament came into effect. And you know what? Uh, and, and that's when the Holy Spirit comes into place. Jesus took her punishment and he died. And the New Testament was in a place. Everything that kept me away from him is now removed. Everything that kept me far off, I'm now drew near. Everything that I didn't have, I do have, now have in him. When I was out, now I'm in uh, by Jesus Christ, by his sacrifice. By his sacrifice. And this is what happened. This is what the colonel did. When the kernel fell, well, it died. And when it died, it produced many in and of itself. It produced many in and of itself. And the Bible says that had the devil known that he was supposed to have to fight us and not fight him, they never would have crucified him because he can't fight us and he's powerless, powerless over him. But now he's not fighting one Christ. He's fighting many Christ. And that's why we've got to come together in perfect unity. The Bible says they were in perfect unity, one mind, one accord, continually, steadfastly in prayer and supplication, waiting on the promise of the Lord. What promise are you waiting on today in that kind of way? What promise has got you where you're wrapped around his legs saying, I will not let go. Just like Jacob, I will wrestle you till daylight until you bless me. What promise will get you 50 days sitting in an upper room waiting on what he said and not with a hope that one day it happens, but with the hope of ambition that says that today is the day that it happens. Today he's going to burst through those doors. Today is the day that all things change. Today is the day that all Things change. I pray that you don't leave here the same way you came. I pray in Jesus' name through the power of the blood and the Holy Spirit that you leave here and today is the day that all things change in your life. I pray that this for you and I pray this for me because I've had a hard week. I don't know about you. I've had a tough week. I don't know about you. 
But I didn't give up and I didn't give in because I know that there's a way out and this is the day when all things change. This is the day the Lord has made. I rejoice and be glad. It's a day of rejoicing. But look what you're going through. It's the day He made. It's the day He made. It's the day He made. It's the power of God. And the enemy knows. The enemy knows. The enemy knows. That if he would, that he, that that there would be many Christians now. He sees that, and it all happens here in Luke, uh, in the book, book of Acts. I got Luke one three. After his passion, he showed himself mighty for forty days, mighty for forty days, and the presence of God. How many of you know that the presence of God is pushing you on? Hebrews twelve says we have a mighty cloud of witnesses that's cheering us on, but we have the presence of Almighty God. That is pushing us, calling us up, calling us in, calling us deeper. Like we said earlier, I have his image, I have his likeness, I have his word, I have his very, very heartbeat. But at this point, and just like with the apostles, where are you at? Do you have his power? Do you have his power? Because if you don't have the person of the Holy Spirit living in you, you don't know what the New Testament means. You don't know that, that, the, that the, what the cross did for you. Uh, that, that your mind nailed to the cross gives you the mind of Christ. That His hands nailed to the cross gives you His hands. That His feet nailed to that cross allows you... Y'all traded places. Y'all traded places. I have His hands to reach with now. I have His feet that I may walk worthy of the call that is on my life in Christ Jesus. I have His feet, His hands, His mind... I don't have guilt anymore. He took my guilt. I have his, uh, what is it? Uh, I have his, uh, starts with a C. Confidence. I have his confidence, his hope, his glory. I have all these things in Christ Jesus. The power of the Holy Spirit reveals this to us. The power of the Holy Spirit reveals this to us. You make decisions in the garden, at the cross, at the tomb, but it's, it's in this upper room. It's in this upper room that you receive the power they were together in unity, one mind, one accord, praying. Women, children, brother, all coming together, one mind, one accord. And it says that they, and it's what he said from in verse 9. And this is what was spoken. No, not when he took up. It says that uh, as the prophet Joel said, I will pour out my spirit. It is verse 17 of chapter 2. This is, shall come to pass in the last days. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Young men shall see visions. Old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens, that's women, I will pour out on those days of my spirit and they shall prophesy. Amen. I shall prophesy. Who do we want in the church? We want spirit-filled, anointed men and women of God. Spirit-filled, anointed men and women of God, not beaten up, defeated, uh, hurting, hopeless men and women of God. If we got those in here, grab them by the arm, grab them by the side and say, have you ever met my Jesus who walked on water, who overcome the storms, who overcome the grave, who overcome death, who the cross couldn't hold, but only I can hold him. Do you know the power of His resurrection or are you walking in the suffering of Him? Are you walking? Are you joining in with Paul said, I'm glad I get to know his suffering so that I'm, you may know his power. 
in His resurrection. Paul said, I would give my own life if you would just give your life to Him. That's Paul's calling. What's your calling? My calling is to live in the grace, power, and victory of the blood of Jesus Christ who overcomes every obstacle in my way. And no matter what comes against me, I know in whom I've trusted and I've believed and counted Him worthy against that day. That's who we serve. That's who we serve. I'm saying we, I ain't saying we can't have them all come in. I'm saying that there's a transformation when you get the power. When you get the power. The cross will keep you wondering and regret. The tomb will keep you wondering and regret. But the upper room changes your life. They wasn't no wondering, regretting the upper room. It was joy filled, praising, tongue talking, screaming, shouting, hooting and hollering, praising God. 120 lives changed. Peter stands up, 3,000 gets saved. He's not limited. He is not limited. The kernels fail. All can partake. All can, can have it. He's big enough for everybody. He's big enough for everybody. He's powerful enough for everybody. And on that day, you will receive power. And what happened was the Old Testament was God used to come on man. The power of the Holy Spirit would come on you. In the New Testament, you are the glove. And He comes in you and works and wheels and does His will. Uh, Old Testament was, David said, please don't take the glove off. Please don't remove your glory from me, Lord. They could feel it. Please don't. He come and sat and rested. Oh, not anymore, folks. It is Christ in you. The hope of glory. The hope of glory. That's the thing in you. Greater than the thing outside of you. That's how we live. That's how we live. The thing in you has to be greater than the thing outside you. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, man, thank you, Jesus. Oh, and this upper room, you know who could come up there? It was said that there was many nations and tongues. It was a place for everybody. It was a place for everybody. It was a place for people who had it all together and people who didn't. It was a place for people who could sing and people who couldn't. It was a place for people who could preach and people who couldn't. It was a place for people who had a disorder and who had no order, who had no structure and who had infrastructure. It was a place for all people who were level because without the power of the Holy Spirit, we don't have anything. We don't have anything. You can't walk this thing out without the power. Are you saved? Absolutely. Is your sin covered? Absolutely. Are you living defeated? If you don't live in the power of the Holy Spirit, you are. It is the same Spirit that rose Christ from the dead lives in me. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but He lives in me. He lives in me. Is Christ living in you? Is He living in you? Because I'm going to tell you, and I've heard it preached, uh, that there's a second blessing and, and, and we get the fullness of Christ but, and the fullness of the Spirit. But I believe that when the Spirit comes on you, you get a fullness of Him. He just don't get a fullness of you. That's right. And until you yield everything to Him, you won't receive that fullness. That fullness. You remember when you first got saved and everything just fell all in order and everything was going right and people were giving you that holy handshake where you got $100 and you didn't know where it come from and people were inviting you here and they were friends with you here and they was doing this here and everything was working together for good and you just couldn't believe how exciting your life was. That's because you were so excited about following your Jesus that you had given your whole self to Him and you were following Him. And then the cares of the world. Ruth Luther's teaching about it. These kernels fall on waysides. These kernel falls on stony ground. 
Fouls come in. I don't care how excited you get. The fouls come in. You're going to hit a rock. Ain't no ground. Ain't got no rock. And the wayside. And then there's that good ground. There's that good ground that takes root. It's that good ground. These same kernels for us, for you, for me. Christ in you. It's a place where all types of people who act different can come together as one. That's what the church is. Church is born here. A place where all kind of people who act different, that have different values and different times, a place where ethnicity has no, no boundaries. And it's a place where your past doesn't hinder your future. It rests. Uh, the Bible says that the Spirit come in like a sound of mighty rushing wind, fiery tongues. He said they felt the weight on them as the Spirit set on them, and they all began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. You know what happened that day? The Spirit rested on the pastor, the apostle, the prophet, and the congregation that day. That's right. That's right. And you know what? The same anointing, it may be a different call, but it's the same anointing. It may be a different call that you've got, but it's the same anointing. It may be a different gift, but it takes the same. You have the fullness of the Spirit. You have the fullness of the Spirit if you're a believer. You have the power of God in your life in the upper room. Upper room is a place you want to be. You know what the upper room is? It's you. It's just like this cross. When we look at the cross, Jesus suspended between you and earth, you and heaven, making intercession. And then he says, don't stay here. Go to the upper room. Suspended between you and heaven. Uh, them and heaven. That's our calling, church. We are in the upper room suspended between heaven and earth. Making intercession through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's where the, that's where the gifts come in. That's where the callings come in. We are suspended in the upper room between them and Him. Trying to make that connect. Trying to make them see Trying to make them feel that rushing wind. That rushing wind that blows that glowing ember. That puts that fire in you. Jeremiah says it's like a fire I can't control. On the 200 Maya said, did our hearts not burn when he spoke to us? Did our hearts not burn? It's because he was blowing that ember that's uncontrollable. And that fire that just spread. And that weight that's on you, you feel it. You know that weight. When Jesus sits on you, you know that way. One more thing, I am gonna close with this: that empowerment. You know that way, but the Bible says that you can quench the Holy Spirit. That you can quench the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that teaches us that that the Holy Spirit will come, and you can quench Him. I'm gonna read it so I get it right. That you can quench Him. Well, if you can quench Him. Don't you think that he can quench you? Yeah. Have you ever wondered why? Uh, about, and quenching means not doing, uh, not doing what he wants you to do. It, uh, or, or restraining him. Have you ever wondered why you were being held back and restrained? Maybe it's because you've quenched him and he's quenching you. I'm not more powerful than the Holy Spirit. So if I can quench him, I pray. I know he can can me. I know he can. And if I can grieve him, don't you think that he can grieve me? Have you ever considered that you might be going through some miserable patches in your life because you refuse to listen? 
to what the Holy Spirit did and not that He's uh, retaliating, but if you grieve Him, maybe He's grieving you to get you back over here to say in this garden spot that says, okay, I, I messed up and I didn't listen. It took Jesus three times before He got the answer. How many does it take me? How many times? But I'm going to tell you this. If He's full of power, will He not empower me? Will He not empower me to be filled with the Holy Spirit? If I've led Him, why don't He lead me? Can He lead me? And you say, well, He come down to come alongside of us. I thought He lived within us. Jesus lived beside us. The Holy Spirit come down alongside your spirit. And the Spirit of God bears witness with the spirit of men. And that's where that weight that sits on you is. That's why you're so uncomfortable uh, right now. That's why you're fidgety right now. That's why you're uncomfortable when someone asks you to do something with a gift or a calling. That's why you're a little bit uncomfortable because the weight of God is convicting you. See, the Word of God corrects you, but the weight of God, the Spirit of God, see, the outward corrects, the inward convicts and changes. He said, y'all been reading this through the Old Testament long enough. It ain't got you nowhere. I'm supposed to come and make my abode inside you. Because until I can change the inward, it's not what comes uh, into the man that, or, well, that defiles him. It's what comes out of the man. So what comes into the man has got to be greater than what comes out of the man. As Brother Chris uh, comes forward. How are, you, uh, how are you doing with him today? How are you doing in the, with him today? Can you feel him today? Can you feel the weight of him sitting and pushing on you today? Can you feel that touch? And, and I'm going to tell you now, he's not an idiot. He is the person of the Holy Spirit. He has a will. He has a, a heart, a mind, affections and emotions. He can be grieved. He can be clenched. He can be loving. He can be powerful. And we'll talk about that next week. He gives us these things. He gifts us in these ways. What are you doing with him? What are you doing with him? Who's stronger in your life? Who's stronger in your life?